The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast, the Masters Class. I'm your host, Dave LaGreca, along with our Masters of the Class, Mark Henry, Bully Ray, and Tommy Dreamer. And guys, obviously we talked a lot on Busted Open about the passing of one of the greats uh, this past Monday. Monday, March 14th, the passing of Scott Hall at the age of 63. And he gave us so many great moments and memories. I thought this master's class we could dedicate to the great Scott Hall and some of, and we could share some of our fondest memories of Scott Hall. And, okay, I'd like to go in chronological order with some of the great moments and memories in Scott Hall's career. And I go way back, and I actually have the program with me uh, Rage in the Cage at the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey, back on April 28th, 1986. And that's when him and Kurt Henning were your AWA tag team champions. And to see Big Scott Hall in the ring, uh, and and Bully, you would appreciate this, because my dad you know, was not a wrestling fan. And when he did like wrestling, it was the WWF. Why? Because all the wrestlers in the WWF were big, larger-than-life characters. And my dad always used to say, like, the NWA and AWA had the smaller athlete, you know, the more acrobatic athlete, you know. So he always liked to see the bigger athlete. And, Mark, you would appreciate this as well. Like, the bigger athlete, the stronger athlete, that larger-than-life character. And when my dad saw Scott Hall, he was like, all right, that's a man's man when you saw big Scott Hall. I'm laughing because you're like, Bully, you'll appreciate this, the larger-than-life characters. And, Mark, you'll appreciate this, the big, strong men. What do you got for Tommy? Like, the guys that had catering all the time? Like, (laughs) you got anything for Tommy? First of all, (laughs) I I was going to get it to Tommy, but you ruined it because Tommy, like me, was a fan of pro wrestling. So when you... When you get somebody from outside the world of pro wrestling, when they think of a pro wrestler, who do they think of? They think of those larger-than-life characters, right? Uh, Scott Hall was that. So to able to see him perform with my dad all the way back in April of 1986, obviously him in the Hall of Fame, Kurt in the Hall of Fame, doing what they did as your AWA Tag Team Champions, uh, it was just a special moment for me and really started my love affair with Scott Hall as a pro wrestler. So I go back to Rage in the Cage back in April of 1986 at the Meadowlands. So that was a special moment for me. Bully, uh, can you share a moment of Scott Hall? 
talking about Kurt, uh, Kurt Henning and Scott Hall. I saw one of the busted open nation fans post a picture on the old Twitter machine this past week um, of an autographed, I don't know if it was an eight by 10 or just something right out of a magazine. Might have, might even be that magazine you're holding of Kurt and Scott Hall together. And I was like, wow. And they were very young. I was just really taken back by the, um, by the picture to, to see those two together. When we, when we decided to do a master's class about Scott Hall and Scott Hall memories or favorite matches or whatever, this for me, another no brainer. It instantly hit, you know, hit it's, it, it's Razor and Sean WrestleMania 10, the latter match for obvious reasons. And I don't want to take up so much time here on the pod, podcast because I know Mark's got a, a good one. I know Tommy's got a good one. And like I said, mine doesn't need explanation or a lot of explanation. Scott, and Sean set the bar for ladder matches. It wasn't the first ladder match we'd ever seen in professional wrestling, but it was by far the most memorable at that time or up until that time, what these two guys were able to pull off, the work involved, the psychology of the match involved, the, uh, the suspense that was involved. It was a great ladder match. And I know that the Hardys and Edge and Christian before they had their first ladder match, uh, kept Sean and Razor's ladder match in mind when designing theirs. And I know that the three of us, the Dudleys, the Hardys, the Edge and Christian, definitely kept that match in mind when we were putting together the first ever three-way ladder match at WrestleMania 2000 in Anaheim. So if you've never, if you're listening to the master's class now and you've never, if you're a younger fan or maybe you're an older fan and you never got a chance to see it, I encourage you, if you're a fan of ladder matches or TLC matches, but you may not have ever seen the one that put it on the map, go back to WrestleMania 10. Check out the WWE Network on Peacock. Go to WrestleMania 10 and check out the ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. One of the things that you left out, Bully, was risk. I had seen ladder matches before, but the risk that they took in the ladder match scared me. It, it it made me go, oh, oh my God. Oh, oh, stop. I don't like scary stuff already, but that was one of those things that it it just the risk factor made my heart beat real fast. So they 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 created, I think, that element of risk in there as well. It, it was there, a game changer. Yeah, there was definitely things in there that you ha you had never seen before. And when you go back and you take a look at, and tell me if you guys disagree, when you go back and you take a look at those risks or those bumps, I mean, there it, it's like nothing compared to the crazy stuff that's going on today. I mean, I'll just bring you back a couple of weeks to Sammy Guevara hitting that springboard cutter on Cody. I mean, the, the precision, the timing, the perfection needed to do something like that. And, you know, Razor and Sean weren't doing anything close to that. But at that time, like you said, Mark, the risk factor, that's a great point. And it was being innovative with the ladder. I remember that as well. I was like, okay, how do you one up it? I know for myself being involved in a lot of ma ladder matches during that time or after ECW, it was how do I up my game? And for you, Bully, I mean, it will live forever. You remember that gigantic ladder because not only do you have to compete with cool innovation and spots, but it's also a big part of who's going to fall off the ladder. And not only did you guys pull out a bigger ladder, 
But then you took that massive nesty plunge uh, from the top to the floor. I mean, that was a gigantic risk, but you did that because of what Sean and Scott did back in the day. And you know what's crazy too, Bully, when you think about it, because my memory is uh, April of 19, uh, 1986. Your memory is from March of 1994, pretty much eight years apart, right? And Scott Hall was big Scott Hall in the AWA. He had the 80s mustache. He kind of looked a little bit like a cross between Hulk Hogan and Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck, right? And yep. then here he is eight years later at a sold-out Madison Square Garden wrestling with Shawn Michaels in a ladder match, and he's Razor Ramon. Completely different character, completely different persona. Both were hugely over. And, and I think that's the important thing you have to point out as well is of – and you guys talk about it all the time on the master's class about taking whatever character it is and taking it as far as you can go and getting it over. He was able to take two completely different characters and get both of them over. Yeah, And that is the mark of a true pro. Uh, a promoter wants to be able to look at you and know that they can put any gimmick on you and you will get it over. It's a very, it's a very, you know, it's a 50-50 thing. The promoter has something in mind. And then once they put it on you, that doesn't mean it's immediately going to work. Could have Mark Henry have been the undertaker? I, I don't know. I don't know if Mark Henry could have pulled off the undertaker. Could the undertaker has, could Mark Calloway have pulled off the world's strongest man? You never know. That's why, you know, a promoter gets this vision, puts it on somebody. Now it's up to them to bring it to life. And, and Razor brought it to life. I just want to get one more thing out there because I'm going to forget. And you guys know I don't uh, – what the hell is a feeling? What the hell is an emotion? I don't cry. This past Wednesday, I was looking at Twitter, and DDP put up a video. And I, I'd, I'd never seen it before. And I guess the, the last shot was DDP, Jake, and Scott Hall in a ring together. And they were rolling the credits on maybe something they filmed for the network. I don't know. And they were just all talking amongst one another. They were locking up and goofing around and just moving around. And then it goes off with the three of them all locking up together. And it almost looked like it was a group hug, but hugging the way the boys would in a lockup. And I'll be damned if I didn't get choked up. I actually just kind of choked up right that very second. And I don't do this shit. I don't do feelings. But man, it was so powerful. So I just wanted to throw it out there that I thought that was a, um, a really powerful post. And once again, condolences to DDP, Scott and Kid and Sean and Trips and all of those guys. Because you don't have to be friends with everybody in the business, but in some way, shape or form, me, Mark and Tommy can appreciate the camaraderie and the friendship that those guys had in a business where you don't have many friends. Wow. Well, said. well said. Thank you for sharing that. Tommy, what about you, man? I'm just in shock. Uh, I've seen Bubba cry once. Uh, it was when he was severely concussed. I thought he was getting emotional on the show. So uh, we're breaking him down, guys. He's uh, no. emotionally dead inside, but uh, we, we're getting him. <laughs> Real life is finally affecting Bully. He's getting older. It's coming. No, no. I, re I absolutely refuse. No. I can't I'm wait gonna for cry. the day. I'm going to probably cry at the Dave LaGreca roast out of laughter. Oh, my gosh. You'll be crying tears of laughter at my roast on April. Big 2nd. surprises. 
big surprises coming up. And I'm just going to lie and say, look at Bully. He got emotional. Maybe he's taking estrogen instead of testosterone. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, What's your memory, Tommy? Uh, Man, Scott gave us so much. uh, And, you know, he was kind of like Forrest Gump. You didn't realize he was involved in all these amazing moments until, you know, we were all talking about them. Uh, Like even just listening to Dave when Dave talked and I was like, did he have an AWA action figure that I had? And then I look up while Dave's talking, I was like, he did have an action figure. And like, then you start talking about uh, guys who transform gimmicks. And I was just like, I totally forgot that Razor and Scott Hall were two different people. And like, you know, that's where we talk about today where Matt Hardy changed his gimmick or guys bet on themselves and take this risk in their change, you know, and, and Scott, Scott did that. Uh, for me, I go kind of also historical where the curtain call. And when I say that, because when they all did this, I mean, the guys were wrestling each other out came heels and baby faces that did not happen. That did not happen, especially in the world of the WWE. I mean, I would never, you and I were friends. We didn't like go and if we were in the same place partying, you were on one side of the room. I was on the other. I would never be seen with Raven. But we did, they did that in at Madison Square Garden, a sold out Madison Square Garden. It showed like that, wait a minute. And like, also like, if you remember this era, there was no internet, but we all quickly found out and knew about it. And that's literally word of mouth. <clears throat> and you're like, what? All this stuff happens. But then I, I think about, like that was so ahead of the time. And literally I see it all the time. People take pictures right after their match. I get mad at it. And I mean, it's like, can you let it breathe for half a second? Anyway, there was no cell phone cameras, but one person had this video camera and he recorded it. <clears throat> it got out there. And then what happened? Literally the face of the business changed because triple H was supposed to go over on the King of the Ring, and then he got in trouble, and then they gave it to Steve Austin. So if that moment did not happen, we may never have had Austin 316. We may never have had Steve Austin, I mean, versus Vince McMahon. WCW may have continued to win because this guy is now left. There are so many ramifications, uh, ripple effects, all this because of this specific moment. And... We see this all the time. I mean, hell, if you just watched NXT, Tommaso Ciampa talks about possibly leaving. Wrestlers talk about, or with the internet, their contracts expiring. Wrestlers will put up there, I'm a free agent today. Or they'll do a podcast and say, well, my contract's up in two weeks when they don't care about storylines about what's currently going on. So I, I feel that's a very, very benchmark piece of history for wrestling history because of all the ramifications that led to that afterwards. It's crazy when you think about it, because it sounds like almost out of the realm of possibility, but that fan getting into Madison square garden with a video camera from the upper deck, filming that moment with the click, you know, before they were going to leave and getting that out there to fans. Once that show, if you go back and they, and there's documentaries about it, Everything you see is that footage from that fan 
It's crazy, but it really did change the course of professional wrestling. Because, Tommy, you're right. Triple H was going to win the King of the Ring, so we would not have gotten Austin 316 because you wouldn't have had that moment with Stone Cold being interviewed with Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, being helped out, out of the ring. And And you're right. Maybe the Monday Night War would have went in a completely different, you know, maybe we would, maybe we would have our, our party, <laughs> you know, in Texas for Starcade instead <laughs> of WrestleMania, you know, the big, the big busted open Starcade party in Texas. And it sounds crazy, but you never know. And, and you're not going to punish Kevin. You're not going to punish Scott because yep. they're leaving. You're not going to punish Sean. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sean Michaels because he's Sean Michaels. So who's going to eat the brunt of all this. And they were all there is Hunter. And he did eat a lot of crap for a long time, but think of what happened because of that. It, it's amazing how stuff like that just happens. And that's why it was my pick. I learned firsthand from Vince McMahon that if you want to be successful in this business, you got to learn how to eat shit and like it. Those are the exact words that came out of his mouth. And Hunter's the one who had to eat shit and like it then. And you were talking about how we found out about this, Tommy, you know, being in the business, you know, there was no internet. I believe the only time that we had ever heard about something like this happening where a baby face and a heel were in the same place at the same time is when Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan got caught driving to a show together. And that was a mis- just a mistaken judgment. These guys meant to do what they did. And in meaning to do what they did, which back then we'd look at as fucked up, they started a whole chain of events that changed wrestling. And if you think about where it happened too, because if this was a curtain call in your favorite place, Sheboygan, nobody would have really mattered. But it was in Madison Square Garden. You know, I don't even know this if Vince was there. Vince would always go to the garden, but I wonder if Vince was even there. I would be willing to bet a dollar that he was because I, as far as I knew, Vince was at every garden show. I don't know. Then how come he didn't just stop the guys or cut a promo right after? What was he going to do? Do a running? Yeah, man. By the way, the fan that filmed it, his name was Jason Cosmosis, 17 years old, who snuck that video camera into Madison Square Garden and filmed that the curtain call, the click. Let's get him on. Yeah, we, we, we may have to get him on at some point to talk about it because he may have changed the course of pro wrestling history. Uh, Mark, what's your favorite uh, most memorable Scott Hall moment? Well, I had just signed with the company as a active talent in 90 I'd signed in 95, but in 96, I started going to shows and, uh, training, going to shows, training, going to shows and, um, meeting Scott and running to him all the time. He came up to me, um, one time sitting in the bowl, introduced himself and he was the first guy to tell me, Hey, um, People, people are talking about you. Uh, you should go introduce yourself to everybody. <clears throat> Nobody had told me that before. And um, I said, is that cool? And he was like, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, you know, go introduce yourself. It's, it's going to come across uh, as a good look. And I started going and introducing myself to everybody. And um, uh, people had their preconceived ideas at that time because 
um, there were, I had the first guaranteed contract in pro wrestling and guys were furious. You know, there are guys that had wrestled for, you know, 15, 20 years and they had never made the money that I had signed for. And he was like, you gotta, you gotta go and, you know, kind of like introduce yourself to people and diffuse that situation. Ingratiate yourself. Yeah. He didn't have to like do that, but he did because he was a good brother. And, um, also, um, after just a short amount of time of getting to know him, um, then he leaves and it was kind of like an act of treason the way it was viewed. And, you know, right now people come and go all the time from different companies and there's no heat with the boys. The heat is always with the companies, but back then it was different. I mean, leaving Hogan, leaving Nash, leaving uh, Bret Hart, leaving guys are like, man, screw them. Like, I mean, to the point of, you know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll run into him on the road somewhere. And people were like mad enough to fight about it. And I mean, you, you can see, I mean, I, I left WWE and went, came to AEW and it's not the same equivalent as back then, because back then there were guys that hated him after that, that knowing him there his whole career, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was such a, such a different dichotomy. Um, I would go so far as to say that um, I was not angry with him. I was, I was sad. I was disappointed because he befriended me and now he just left. I'm like, damn, I only had like three people in that company that liked me and he was one of them. Like, fuck, why did you leave? People hated me. And you're gonna leave me to this shit? Like, come on, man. And of course, the business started evolving and changing and it became a different thing. But um, yeah, man, Scott, Scott was one of those guys that, you know, taught me that you have to make the effort to go. And I've had this conversation, Dave, recently, last week, a big time AEW talent. Hey man, you need to go and introduce yourself to everybody. You just got here. I know you're the big star, but you know, it's different now. It's different. And Scott was in the time when it was, it was a real war performance based. Of course, not physicalities. It was performance based. Don't think for one second that there wasn't a WCW TV going. Everybody watching the show. Everybody watching WWE, WWF at the time. We, we got double, double, triple monitors everywhere. Oh, shit. No, nah. you're going to do that. How about this? And then you go and up your game. That mentality. Scott helped change. He did that. He helped the business acclimate to, you know what? 
it is a competition against wrestler to wrestler because then you can see who could do the most, who's the better talent. And hey, I, I appreciate him for it. For the, the sometimes the first guy to go and take that bullet makes it better for everybody else. And I hate that he's gone. I feel bad for his kids. But they his kids should know that their dad did something for the wrestling industry that never happened before. And that they should, you know, be proud of him. You know, just uh, talking about, uh, you talked about the respect of the business, Mark, and introducing yourself. Sometimes on the master's class, I think we get away from what this was originally supposed to be. And we get off on tangents or stories, which is totally fine because I know our listeners love it. But we could do a two or three part series of the master's class just based on the respect of the business. And perception. The handshake alone. Yep. That's truly a master's class for people to hear about how, how our fraternity works, how wrestling and the mafia, when it comes to the politics of behind the scene really works and how it all falls into place and how we are getting away from it today. And in getting away, if Mark Henry has to smarten up a veteran these days to go introduce himself, there's something wrong. That's the way I look at it. Well, you're, the, you're, very, you're the new guy. You're the over guy. Everybody know you. But politics, you have to be able to say, hey, man, I'm happy to be here. I never met you before. Because a lot of times you, you, you go in passing in pro wrestling and you never intersect with certain people. Never. Different companies, different airports, different time zones, different everything. And who's going to be the bigger man? This this uh, Clint Eastwood cool shit. I'm going to stand over here and you come to me. Those days are over. This sounds like it might be a master's class because I'm not a pro wrestler. And you mentioned bully. It is like a fraternity of people who actually step into the ring and compete. And Mark, you were talking about, it doesn't matter how big you are when you're a new kid in town, you got to introduce yourself. And it's, it's about respect. I'll say this as somebody who's a radio host, when Howard Stern signed on with Sirius XM. And at the time it was serious. He went to every single office in our, in our offices in New York and went in, knocked on the door, shook hands with everybody, introduced himself and said how thankful it was to be here and it was how nice it is to meet you. He did that. And this is the biggest radio star of all time. Reinvented, reinvented radio. And he went, he made, when he signed on, a big contract. And, you know, he has his own wing at the Sirius XM studios. He made sure he went up to every single person and introduced himself. And went to the company Christmas party that year to make sure the people that he didn't meet that he met that night. So that tells you something about respect. Second biggest contract, initial contract in the history of entertainment. I'm at, of course, Mark Henry's contract with the WWE being the biggest contract. 
<laughs> guys, thank you so much for sharing these stories. It was a tough a week with the passing of Scott Hall, but I think together as a nation, we got through it. And thanks to Scott Hall for all those moments and memories. And thanks to you, Mark, Bully, Tommy. Thank you guys so much. It's a pleasure always doing this show with you. Don't forget, you can only get this on the SiriusXM podcast. But make sure you listen to our daily show, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. The producer is Gabby Laspisa. The associate producer is Andre Viola. Sound design by Mary Bailon. Special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen. And... Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Mother Marissa, Marissa Rivas. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.